Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. The following podcast is brought to you exclusively by the Rad Rob Radio Network. Welcome to Straight Up Five with Johnny Petraglia Jr. This podcast is hard-hitting, in-depth, cutting-edge look into the sport of bowling. You will get unfettered access into the mind of one of the most gifted bowlers of this generation who just happens to be the son of a living legend. So, without further ado, let's introduce you to the host of the show, Brad Rob, Rob Francois, Dr. Ocho, and the incomparable Johnny Petraglia Jr. Hey guys, welcome back to Straight Up 5 with Johnny Petraglia Jr. This is episode number 24. I am your host. What the hell is that voice, dude? What are you doing? What was that? I'm sick. You Wolfman Jack, what just happened? We're going, We're off to a good start already. Listen to this guy. We're off to a Who's good here, start. Rob? Is Johnny really incomparable? Let me ask you that, Oach, before we get started. Oh, 100%. It's, in, it's, it's on Wikipedia. So you can't compare him to anybody, but... No, incomparable, hence the word. And unfettered, do we really get unfettered access from him, or do you think it's slightly fettered? Uh, I have yet to see anything fettered before. Johnny, you're muted. I can see you mouthing I don't, things. I don't, I, don't need a, no. I don't need a photo on my passport, so yeah. Oh, I am. Shit. I am incomparable. Totally incomparable. Wow, Absolutely. That's right. It's just a bicep. That's right. I'm Rad Rob, he's the Ocho, and Johnny's here as well. What's going on, guys? Nothing much, man. Hope y'all are doing well tonight. Uh, it is USBC Open Championships Eve for me. I bowl a team event with uh, my four companion teams from St. Louis and the Poconos, or, you know, like um, Scranton, PA area. And uh, we bowl team event at 2 p.m. tomorrow. And Ocho, when do you bowl? I, you, I talked to you earlier. A couple uh, days ago. Later, July, I think, somewhere. Nice. So hopefully uh, you'll I'll know uh, like a week before, I think. Gotcha. So that's good. You guys will be able to reunite again there in the desert. So that's, uh, that's a pretty cool you thing. Bet. Johnny, you do you want to start absolutely. off talking about your, your arsenal? With what you, know, what you got ready for, uh, for tomorrow's stuff? His arsenal? Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. I mean, not um, like his, you know, his, his gun arsenal. Like his bowling arsenal. That's what they call it. It's an oh, arsenal. I thought you said arsehole. You're an asshole. You're, you're an arsehole. Jesus Christ! You're already starting. Seven, seven bushes. Okay, so I uh, I decided to go with seven bowling balls this year to USBCs mainly because uh, you know I had a really good showing last year because let's let's be honest I bowl league and during uh, the quarantine and COVID uh, last year we were actually bowling league in the plaza so I've come to love that arena very much and I know the tendencies of the building. So uh, last year I went out and shot a little over 2,000. I bowled nine 200s, you know, a couple of hundred over for the tournament, which was my best ever national showing. So this year I went in with a, a very simple game plan. Instead of 
worrying about layouts and is this ball angular and is this ball straight? What I decided to do was break up the lane into quadrants, moving it from the foul line to the pins. In other words, my ball selections were all based on I need a ball that makes its move at 30 feet, 40 feet, 35 feet, 45 feet, so on and so forth. Because pretty much whatever you do in that arena, no matter what oil pattern they put down, the tendencies of the center are the same. The back ends get very tight, very quick, and it favors either massive rainbow angles or pretty firm and forward type you know, games. So with that said, obviously I'm a lefty that does not use his thumb. Uh, my number one bag has two purple hammers and a pink black widow urethane. So I have two of you know the most famous urethane balls on the planet, and then I have the newest one from uh, the Brands of Brunswick through a hammer, which has an, the gas mask asymmetric core, and uh, that's what kind of separates it from the purple hammer. So between those three, I have uh, the one purple hammer for me that's pretty angular. It gets through the front pretty good. That's my kind of like 35 to 38 foot motion. I have another purple hammer with the pin drilled through the ring finger and it rolls at my feet and does nothing down lane. It's, it, it almost reacts like a rubber ball would on today's uh, lane surfaces. So I have that one that hooks at as soon as it hits my toe. And then the pink widow urethane is not is overall stronger than the more angular of the two purple hammers, but it makes its move a little bit sooner. So that's like my 35-foot mark. So I've basically covered from the foul line to halfway down the lane with just the urethane balls that I've chosen to bring. Now let me let uh, me introduce, uh, interrupt real quick. I'm going to pull an Ocho here and let have you explain to our listeners what makes a difference. Normally, actually, what is the pin in the ball? Because people might not even know that. And two, uh, what, what changes where you drill the actual holes in the ball? Okay, so the... Inside a bowling ball, it has a weight block or a core and like an inner, an inner weight block. So the pin designates, it's a dot on the bowling ball that designates exactly where the top of that weight block is because you can't see through the bowling balls so for drilling purposes and understanding where the center of gravity is in relation to the top of that weight block. And in the case of asymmetric cores, where the mass bias would be, that's why it's important to know where the pin position is. So, uh, i.e., when you drill one of your finger holes through the pin, you are now putting the entire core in the palm of your hand because the center of gravity is resting right in the middle of my palm and the top of the weight block is resting in my fingers. And we all know in bowling, the whole goal is to stay underneath the ball. Roll it, don't spin it, right? right. So I've already, I'm releasing a ball that's already tumbling towards the pins. In other words, that weight block doesn't have to go away from the pins and then migrate off of its axis towards the pins. It's already doing that from the minute it touches the lane because I've quote unquote stabilized the inner core. That's about as generic as I can try and explain that. I hope that was pretty good. Where would you, where would you play the lanes then with that bowling ball and how would it be different from the other one? Or are they meant to be in the same spot? And the reason is for the oil rather than the, you having to migrate left or right. That that particular purple hammer, the one that rolls at my toe, is good for playing anywhere from the first board to about the eighth or ninth board. So just inside the second arrow. So you're anywhere never swinging the, that one. Basically, you can't. It, never. As you said it, it's going to roll, and it'll almost be like a rollout and go straight by the time it's down the end of the lane. Exactly. If, to, if it has to change direction, you got it. Now, so if, that's, there, that's, if, if there's heavy oil, Johnny, then you obviously can't play that that target. 
it, it depends on the length of the pattern, which uh, I actually don't know what the length is. Um, but, you know, certain houses will allow you to play zones and lanes that typically the rule of numbers says you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. For instance, the rule of 31 says your break point is supposed to be the length of the pattern minus 31 feet or minus 31. So if the pattern is 45 feet long, you're supposed to be, you're at 14 when you get rid of 31. Your ball is supposed to be changing direction just just outside the third arrow, if you use that rule of thumb. But there are guys that could take a urethane ball and move two zones to the right and play straight up five and still produce the same kind of reaction. There's a lot of tricks in the game now that weren't available back then, but now we have so many different bowling balls. And with the new rule changes since the plugging of all weight holes, now virtually you can put any layout you want on any bowling ball and make it do whatever you want it to do. So the two hammers that you have, they're both drilled differently, but both have the same core, uh, you know, same cover stock and all that. It just depends where you drill it to where, what you want the weight block and the axis and the mass and all that to do, correct? Exactly. So visually, the other one that I have, the pin is directly to the left of my ring finger, and the center of gravity is directly under my palm. So if you were looking at the two locations, the center of gravity would be inverted towards my palm. And the top of the, so now visualize that core being tilted in that direction. So now the ball has to float through the front part of the lane where the other purple hammer is already standing up in order to get off of its axis and change direction, which is why it goes longer and is more angular than the other one, even though it's the same ball, same core, and the exact same surface. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad you explained that because a lot of people may not know what all that means. And we like to kind of dumb it down for the people that are, you know, entry level in the bowling or just like to do as a hobby and want to learn more. So uh, that's that's why we have you here, obviously. Well, now we got to learn the other four bowling balls now. So this is going to be Yeah, what, what's in your next bag? Well, the, uh, the fourth ball, the most important ball in the bag is my T-zone, my spare ball. Because, uh, you know, anytime a condition is tough, you know, they always say straighter is greater, especially when you're shooting spares. And uh, also a plastic ball allows you to release the ball the exact same way as a strike ball. So when you're, when you're shooting a lot of spares – one of the benefits of a plastic ball is you don't have to kill your wrist this frame. You don't have to, you know, overextend getting through it at the bottom in this frame. You just release it the way you release a strike ball. That's become very important to me since going to no thumb. So that's ball number four. And then in the other bag, I have the three resin bowling balls. I took Old Faithful, which is the Hammer Obsession Tour Solid. That's been the ball that pretty much I've used in league all season. It's, it's, um, I can't explain it, guys. It's anybody in the bowling w- world that knows the original Storm IQ Tour. It, it's just like that. It's so predictable. You can use it on any arrow, any speed. You can do anything to it. It's it's gentle enough, but strong enough at the same time off of the spot. So that's kind of my 40 to 41 foot bowling ball, you know? Uh, again, I, I'm starting to space them out by zone. So I have the pin in the finger, purple hammer up front. Then I have the Pink Widow Urethane. Then I have the other Purple Hammer. Ball four is going to be that Obsession Tour. Ball five is the bla- – excuse me. T-Zone was ball four. Well, yeah, that, yeah, the plastics for sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to flip-flop one here the, the, as far as the footage is concerned. Oh, gotcha, that, gotcha, gotcha. There, so there's T-Zone a ball. will be last, basically. Right, yeah. Thing. So we'll throw the T-Zone last. But in front of the Obsession Tour – is the hammer 3d offset 
I changed the surface on that ball. It has the same layout as the Obsession Tour. I changed it to 4,000. That ball will go further than all of the urethanes, but it's very, very strong in the mid lane. Then we go to that Obsession Tour, which will go a little further than a 3D offset. Now, when you say 4,000, Johnny, what do you mean by that? The final finish on the ball. So, like, imagine a Brillo pad. And in the industry, they call it either an Aberlon pad, a Sire pad, a True Cut pad. It's basically like a really, really awesome, smooth Brillo pad that alters the surface of a bowling ball. And the grit can go anywhere from 180 grit all the way up to 5,000 now. And the higher the number, the smoother the finish. And the smoother the finish on a bowling ball, the gentler its change in direction is going to be, which is typically what you're looking for when you're bowling on tougher conditions like the Open Championships. So what, uh, the original box finish of that 3D offset was 2,000 grit. or Actually, yeah, it was 2,000 grit. And for me, I felt like I really had to try and gas it. I really had to try and throw it hard just to get it through the front. But I liked the motion of the ball. So by hitting it with 4,000, basically what I'm doing is I'm trying to make the ball curve overall about two to three boards less than from the time I drilled it. Does anybody polish anymore? Because I know that used to be a thing back in the day. You either scuff your ball or you polish your ball. Is that even a thing anymore? Polish is, is death these days. I can't even tell you the last time I saw a league bowler polish a bowling ball. Even with all the we, res that you have. Yeah, no, because, again, the more you polish a ball – the, the the less sur- the less surface friction the ball has okay and when a ball has less surface friction it's its job is to go nuts once it finds friction which when your angles are too sharp leads to a lot of splits that's where your 150 games come in okay whereas if you're throwing a ball with a gentler surface a smoother transitioning surface that big four through the middle now all of a sudden maybe it just becomes a fast eight and now you have a makeable spare. That's the goal. We're looking for the misses to not be six one frames. We're looking for them to be eight spare frames. When did that change, to your knowledge? Uh, somewhere in the middle of once they started producing sport bowling again. Mm-hmm. Um, polish went away after the guys understood and learned the patterns over enough. So I'd say polish kind of started phasing out 10 years ago. And as in for the last five or six years, it's virtually... The only person that I've ever even sold polish to was a guy that, you know, was 80 in bold league. And he said, I got to keep my thing looking shiny. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about it. Now, as far as league bowling, you know, with the house shot and all that, can you still get away with that then? Using polish? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on a house shot, you know, unless you're bowling, like, for instance, South Point is a very, very difficult house shot. Anybody that comes out here, you can bowl well on it, but it's still a very tricky house shot. But for the most part, most house shots have, you know, that, that tunnel effect or that funnel. You know, there's a heavy concentration of oil in the middle, which promotes pushing the ball out. So you don't have to worry about yank and they're always dry on the gutter. So pearlized balls, shiny bowling balls, they'll always work on a house shot. They may not be your best option, but carry percentage wise, again, because they're saving so much energy, but yeah, they're, they're still perfectly fine for league play. I bet the people that made the luster King are really pissed off now. Cause that really is the death of, uh, of the old, you know, <laughs> the, the, the machine that we used to love, uh, or love to hate. Uh, it was, you know, <laughs> you never knew what you're going to get when you put the ball in there, <laughs> but when it came out shiny, it came out my, I remember, I still to this day, remember opening the luster King behind lanes, 77 and 78 at Carolier, and my Teal Rhino Pro came out, and it looked so... 
so beautiful. It was like <laughs> when the, somebody smiles on a TV commercial and their tooth goes ding. Yeah. That's what it fucking looked like. It was awesome. And then there's other times it comes out just covered in wax. Like right. what happened? <laughs> I wish Ocho knew about that, but he he'll that works know. great on my mask. That's all I got. Yeah. That's cool. all. <laughs> Uh, all right, sorry to throw you off track, but there. Uh, what's your Ooh. next ball after the Obsession Tour? All right, so we so again we're gonna rehash. We got the two purple hammers. We have the pink hammer, urethane widow. We have the 3D offset, the Obsession Tour solid, the T zone, and then the last ball in my bag is the Black Widow Ghost. Black Widow Ghost again, gas mask core proven inside that bowling ball for quite some to many many years and that one's a full pearl it's a solid white pearl bowling ball with an asymmetric core and for me it's just angular enough that it's not overly angular for me so if it came down to that i really needed a ball to get through the front but still continue down lane and all my other stuff started like saying as oach likes to say rolling out or starts leaving flat sevens or it's just not driving through the pins I've thrown this ball enough since I've drilled it to understand that it certainly has a place and it is a very reliable piece in my bag. So all in all, um, my arsenal this year is a, built about as good as it can possibly be uh, moving into the Open Championships. And I'm going there with that mindset again because I bowled so well last year. So you have a, literally a ball for pretty much every every zone or every you know every condition that you might find. and. Ready, I do. So you should be ready for just about anything that you see on the lane. Yeah, and again, what's what's cool about me, Rad Rob, is I I love I grew up hooking the bowling ball, but I've had to learn how to throw the bowling ball straight ever since my years at Moorhead, and I've gotten very very good at playing actually outside of five. I'm very good at going dead straight up the lane, and I'm also very good at hooking the entire lane. So again, that was my mentality this year was if you know you got to get the ball to say seven, eight, nine board at 40 feet, if it gets there, doesn't matter what the condition is, it has a chance to strike, a high percentage chance to strike. So my only goal is to figure out which ball is going to consistently get me to seven, eight, nine at 40 feet, which is at that range finder that we've talked about in the past on the marking on the lane. And when you go in with that mindset, it makes everything more simplified. It keeps everything in, in one zone. Okay, uh, I'm going to make sure all my misses today go this direction because I can make a move off of this direction. Once I start going left, right, left, right, and army bowling, so to speak, miss one out, miss one in, that's when your mind starts going nuts. Do you so, find yourself being more focused this year than, than years past? Yeah, especially in these last few weeks. I've gone to uh, complete sobriety again. Like in, in all respects. And I actually started seeing a doctor, which is awesome. And I'm on these uh, serotonin synthesizers. So it keeps my head nice and steady, Eddie. But uh, everything is, uh, is, is kind of good. I'm seeing everything a little bit more clearly. And um, I'm going in there with a mindset this year rather than years past. Like, I'm not going to impress anybody anymore. This time I'm going in there to do it for myself. I'd like to make some money in brackets. I'd like to win an eagle with my team. We've got a really, really stellar team. And I'm going in with the mentality that these people have to beat me this time. And that's a very dangerous place for, for my brain to be because when I start thinking that way, you can't stop me. Oh, geez. So that's my mindset. Oh, geez. Serotonin, what's that do for you? Uh, it's a nice mood, mood enhancer. It's basically your happy 
uh, hormone. I mean, it's pretty much uh, what you get when when you for people who buy things and they like, oh my god, I I love buying shit. Their serotonin goes up, or people who whatever whatever someone does to make themselves happy to go for a drive to exercise that increases their serotonin levels what causes your serotonin levels to go down just naturally like you know certain people are i, I, I mean increased cortisol usually cortisol is the death of serotonin you uh, I, cortisol is in dormant people and in people who eat un- unhealthy so you're you're they're already compromised i mean hey look it is what it is <laughs> but um or uh, or underlying conditions, there's increased cortisol and um, uh, Hirschsprung's. No, uh, not Hirschsprung's. What is it called? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Either way, um, there's there's diseases that uh, can uh, spike cortisol for no reason, but because it's more controllable by the brain and the function and 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 functionality of the human, um, we can do it naturally. Some people really can't. Some people do have chemistry issues and their body doesn't produce enough. So, uh, but serotonin is your happy, your, your dopamine, serotonin, endorphins are the quick rush that you get when, uh, when you, when you first get to the gym and you get two sets in and you're like already flushed and feeling good. Like you get a good endorphin rush, things like that. Um, those are all your happy stuff. I was going to ask you, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, the, the working out thing. Should Johnny get his pump on before uh, he bowls, or is that going to jack him up? Too he much? just needs to watch the old SNL bit of Hans and Franz, and he'll be fine. Because if he gets too <laughs> too wide, then he's going to start, you know, turning sideways, facing lane one, hooking it from lane one to lane thirty, and all that noise. He's <laughs> he's just too wide of a man. No, he is. I just didn't know if you wanted him to get you know all jacked up and ready to go, or is, is too much adrenaline, endorphins, and all that a, a bad thing when you're going to go into like bowling a tournament? If it's one hundred percent bad for you, if anything, that's because that, that's the death of you. You you throw a mile an hour faster than you want to, and you're leaving a washout or a or a bucket or something, and and then you you then you rush then you have the possible adrenaline dump where you know you get so amped up on pre workout and bang drinks and all that noise that uh, by the mid of the first game. And you've got five more games coming. You're you're spent, and you're you're now just kicking the ball off your foot because you you had such an adrenaline dump, and that takes a long time to get back from. Also, no, you need to be steady, Eddie, with bowling. That's why it's a skill. I actually, I, I definitely agree with the doc on this one because it happens to me. I um, I lift. I train six days a week, and I do high intensity, high volume training. What that means is. Uh, anywhere from 21 to 24 sets, and I work a specific body part a day, six days a week. So I'll do legs on a Monday, I'll do arms on a Tuesday, I'll do chest on a Wednesday, I'll do shoulders Thursday, back on a Friday, so on and so forth, right? And I bowl Tuesdays and Thursdays. And typically what I like to do is I like to train bigger muscle groups on bowling days. And this is simply because... like I fatigued pref- already now. <laughs> exactly. But when I train bigger body parts and I eat, I have enough hour. I have an hour window to eat before I go bowling, so I'll eat seven or eight ounces of steak. I'll eat some kind of carb source, usually rice, sometimes sweet potatoes, and a little bit of broccoli. And by the time I get bowling, I'm actually re-energizing myself in the first game. Now, if I miss that meal, exactly what Doc just said is exactly what happens. I'm sitting there in the middle of game one, saying I can't even get my legs to move to the foul line because at that point you are completely depleted. 
especially after that kind of a an intensity workout. Oh, or if you eat that meal, if you eat that meal too late, now your body's digesting and you have no blood to the area that you're trying to use for bowling. So you're lethargic. You almost have to work through the first 30 minutes of that. You if you eat and power out the door, get to the bowling alley in five minutes, you got a 30 minute window where you're gonna be uh, all over the place just with being lethargic and having all the blood rush for digestion too. So that's a good window to have, and he has it mapped out perfectly. Thanks. All good, right. Good Glad job. See, this is what you get on Straight of Five. You get you know the, <laughs> you get the the bowling breakdown. You get the metaphysical breakdown. We uh, we try to give you everything here on the show. Uh, let's we can't bowl worth a shit. That's why. So that's, that's, Johnny can. That's, that's why he fair. does the bowling stuff. No, that's fair. Uh, let's move on to the PBA World Championship real quick. Um, two weeks removed from a crushing loss at the Kia PBA Tournament Champions, uh, Chris Prather would not be denied again. He captured the PBA World Championship presented by Paps Blue Ribbon title, securing his second career major title and a $100,000 prize. Johnny, uh, I know you watch this uh, intently. What did you see from Chris Prather? Is this the best version of Chris that we've seen in a long time? Hands down. Uh, I'm going to say something that uh, maybe a lot of people don't know that uh, that only watch the show. Tommy Jones had been leading that tournament from wire to wire. And in the last block of match play in games, I believe, four and five, Chris Prather started taking a three-step approach on the right lane. And he was throwing a bowling ball on 900 Global Altered Reality, laying the ball down somewhere around 27, 28, and throwing it about 14 miles an hour and slow rainbowing it, very similar to the way you saw him throw the ball on the show. Chris Prather bowls 300, and when I tell you in game four, every single shot, 10 in the pit. Like, they were all no-doubters. Like, nothing could have stood. The next game... He gets up and he starts with the front eight or front seven. And in the eighth frame, he leaves the most stone fucking solid nine pin I've ever seen in my life. And then he strikes out all of them, 100% guaranteed, pure dead flush, 10 in the pit. Goes 300, 279. He wound up leading that tournament because of the massive, fantastic, unbelievable performance he put forth in those last six games. So... With that being said, yes, Chris Prather is one of, if not the best traditionalists. I'm putting him up there with, with EJ Tackett 100%, simply because Chris Prather has so many tricks and he can do anything he wants to a bowling ball with seemingly minimal effort. It's so impressive to watch. Well, how about uh, the fact that when he was on the right lane, he was doing a three-step approach, but yet on the left lane, throwing it a mile and a half faster and taking his normal five-step approach – that's so hard to do frame by frame mechanically to be able to like reap. I mean, when, if, if you take a three-step approach each time, then you get into a rhythm, but I mean, to, to alternate one or the other, I mean, that's gotta be something. I don't even think they even talked about it. It is unreal that the speed was so much different, but the, the motion of the bowling ball was identical. Did the exact same thing. That's that's thing, what man. I mean when I say he's got all those tricks, man. He's got so many tricks that other people just cannot do. It's amazing to watch. But when it comes when it comes to TV time, Johnny, like what what happens? Like he threw the first five and then left nine counts on four of the next uh, four of his next five shots, uh, and he's got to be thinking, Jesus Christ, you know, this is this is the you know the tournament champions all over again. 
yeah, I, I, I thought it was too. And to tell you the truth, I, I, if we're going to talk about that, man, Jason Sterner, you guys know, and all the viewers know, that's one of my homies, Flesh. Yeah. I mean, I, what first off, hats off to Jason, what he did on that show, beating the talent pool that he did in the fashion that he did. I mean, Christ, he beat Belmo 266 to 255. <laughs> yeah. Because he threw them all in the 10th. I mean, he, that's. He shot, he shot like an 830 or something for the first three games on, I think it was on seven, that pattern, or maybe 780. Or 780. Yep, yeah. yep. 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 Like that's, I mean, it wasn't that high, I guess. Yeah. But that's, that's crazy. <sighs> And you know, I mean, condition. <laughs> to watch him get up in that tenth frame and just need nine spare strike, and you know, I don't care who you are. <sighs> At your first time ever in a major in that position, that's life changing money for a lot of people. And he just those, those butterflies must have been like the butterflies got him, man. Gut, he, my I'm not even going to say that that he choked or he missed, or I'm going to say that. The butterflies got him because it was the first time he was ever in that position. And I guarantee you the next time he's in that position, he knows exactly what not to do. That's one of my dad's most famous stories. On, two, the, on, the, two, on the 298, right? Yep, 1978 Long Island Open against the late Mark Roth. Front 11 with his coach sitting behind him. Dad dead yanks the ball, leaves a 2-4, shoots 298. First thing that Bo Burton said in dad's 1994 300 right before he threw the 12th shot, was what my dad said. He said, Boa, if I ever get the opportunity again, I will never shoot 298 again because he knows exactly what not to do now. And that's what I think is going to happen to Sterner because now Sterner knows he can beat everybody and he's bowling good and he continues to prove it throughout the World Series. So, and Sterner's a workhorse, man. So I have nothing but good things to say about him. I, he was d definitely who I was pulling for on that show as much as I like Prather. And it's, a, it's really, really sad to watch one of your good friends lose in the way that he did. You know, after after the light eight count, he gets the shaker hit to force the roll off, and then he throws a real bad in the roll off, yeah. you know? And he, and he made the exact left-right miss that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yep. You know? So now he knows which – he can't throw it in either direction. So Yeah, it's, it's a tough way to go down like that. And, you know, he's called flash because he had the tendency to run to the line. Do you think he just rushed that, that shot? I think that he was trying everything in his willpower to envision the perfect shot, but he was just trying to get the goddamn thing off his hand and not go down the lane with it. Right. Yeah. And I know I I don't know that feeling to that extent, but I know what that feels like. Yeah, that's a it's really a tough loss, man. But I mean, he he really bowled his heart out uh, on you know on TV, and uh, yeah, hopefully he I mean, he threw he threw two bad shots the whole the whole. The whole night that he bowled, Pretty much. I feel like two yeah. or two or three. Maybe that I mean, bad by like off by a couple boards, bad. So he he was the he was the most locked in bowler for sure. But yeah, that was uh that's the, the inopportune time to throw those that bad shot in the tenth. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. I mean, but, I'd be lucky if it's off the if it's not in the ditch. So you know who are we to say? Imagine anyway. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, let's move on to the World Series of Bowling, uh, which we have different. Uh, of PBA oil patterns uh, for each tournament, starting off uh, on the 13th, sorry, on the 14th, uh, with the PBA Cheetah Championship. Uh, Johnny, I'll get to you here in a second. Oh, Joe, I know you've been watching all of them. What did you think uh, of the first event, the Cheetah? Uh, I, I should have bowled in it. Obviously. That's that's yeah, that's my that's, shit that's right there. There's, yeah. there I, can, I can lay the ball in there and... <laughs> I, oh, I would have. I would have won. I mean, let's let's be honest. Even with the mask on, I would have won. 
No, it was um, it was the only one I could actually follow because that's the only <laughs> shot I can throw. Right. And I understood literally what they were all doing. And I, I, a lot of the same bowling balls, a lot of urethane. So everybody was just piping, piping it to the five board. And it wasn't, uh, you know what I noticed? Sherman, who won, was like stayed under and behind the ball so much that his ball just seemed to hit harder. There was no no side roll at all. Like some of these guys that were winging it just a few boards more. And uh, it, it just seemed like it was heavier. Like it was so forward that when it was near the pocket, it was wrecking. He'd, he'd get the light mixers. He, I think he left a few 10 pins. They all did. But, I mean, he was carrying everything the way he threw the ball. I mean, just dead under it the whole time. But the scores weren't that great either. These guys were because they're – maybe because they're used to swinging it. I don't know. But they um, fun fun to watch because that's literally the only shot I have in the bag. Two questions, Johnny. Uh, obviously, you know, one was Ocho right with his assessment, and number two wasn't D Cheetah the first major like oil pattern that they really promoted uh, when it first came out. Yeah, the initial batch was Cheetah Viper Scorpion or Cheetah Viper Chameleon Scorpion Shark. That was the the original five. Um, I agree with Ocho one hundred percent. Kyle's ball looked like it was going downhill. It looked like a snowball gaining energy the, the entire way. It, it never looked like it wanted to lay off. It never looked like it wanted to overhook. Um, I will say that this. I think the scores were a little bit lower on that show because, in compared to other shows, the talent pool on that show was a little bit younger, or a little bit more inexperienced. I should say, Chris Kelto. I mean, that's only his second show. Andrew Anderson, um, the way he made it to the show was fantastic. I mean, he was down 2-0 to Prather in uh, the round of eight, and then he switched to that blue tank that he threw on the show and wound up beating Prather the back three just to make it to the show. So I was definitely pulling for Andrew on that show. And he, but, um, He's on fire, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Andrew is on fire. Like, he's, he's almost right there. Like, he's every single week. Uh, I f- obviously, we follow his brother, Matthew, on, on Facebook. We've had him on the show. Um, Matthew always reports on what his brother's doing, and it seems to be week to week to week he's just getting better. Yeah, Andrew's gotten a little bit bigger. He's a little bit stronger, and I think it took him a little while to realize that, plus the uh, you know the equipment change and everything that he's gone through. So he's definitely coming into his own, and we're going to see a lot more of him soon. I mean, definitely another major waiting in the wings for that kid for sure. But overall, the um, – the talent pool was again a little bit more. It was the guys a little bit more experienced batch of bowlers in that in that top five. Kelso, it's only his second show, and and Chris Kelso, Bam Bam would be the first one to tell you I, he, that he threw a lot of bad shots on that show. I mean, he he got he sent some to the one board. He yanked some up seven. I mean, and, and he he carried a lot of them too, though. That's what it was. Yeah. The guy wound up having some room for error, whether he managed to throw it harder on those uh, when he tugged it or what i don't know but like the he definitely had a little more room it seemed but um his but his but his offs were i think he got a couple of bad not bad breaks i think um he missed a couple spares if i'm not mistaken a couple single pin spares yeah. i think yeah so, he did. again talent um, you know chris barnes doesn't miss those uh, yeah, he does. All right, well, he does. <laughs> well, I mean, I, he's trying. He's talking about the talent pool, so I, I feel like you know, I, I don't see that. Comparatively often. speaking, no, he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> and hats hats off to Kyle on his first national singles title. So awesome, awesome, great guy, and very very tight knit with my nationals team. Uh, actually, Kyle and um, one of my teammates, Shay Bittenbender, I I believe are best of friends. So hell yeah. 
maybe it's good things in the works for the rest of the St. Louis crew from St. Charles Lanes. Hopefully so. Moving on to the Scorpion Championship. This is where the talent pool kind of kicked up. Our uh, top five was pretty star-studded. Uh, we had EJ Tackett, we had Tommy Jones, Packy Hanrahan, Anthony Simonson, who's on f- just his playing. And, and this was a murderer's row. Yeah, people. I mean, he's I mean, you, you Simonson's did, you lights out. You couldn't say who's running away with it for Right, sure. and Belmo, obviously. But, uh, yeah, Johnny, what were your takeaways from this one? Uh, you know, on paper, that's the best television show you could possibly – one of the best television shows you could possibly have. The show itself – Kind of sucked. Yeah. Because, right. I mean, they were all blowouts, right? I feel Bel- like Belmo averaged first off. I, I Belmo just yeah, yeah. Not, nothing else needs to be said about he's Belmo. He's, right he's, he's, yeah. he's the best. Yep. He's the Quick best. Question Does he put his fingers in a, a lot farther than it looks like? That's something I kind of know. Yeah. It's you if it's not if it's not conventional, it's just above it. I do the same thing. Okay. Like, you know, where the, where the crease of your second knuckle is. If you were to measure up, say, three-sixteenths of an inch from okay. from your bottom knuckle, that's about how far I put my fingers in. I'm assuming that's about how far Jason gotcha. goes Because that's the interphalangeal joint. And, you know, we were always taught that the dip, the distal <sighs> joint, is usually where the bowlers with the, the, the fingertip, finger grip, you know, back in the 80s and 70s, that's kind of where they're going. I just happen to notice it. Like, I'm like, man, it looks like. His fingers are really wedged in there, and I guess without a thumb, you know, what harm is it? Because that's where you're getting everything from. Absolutely. But, um, the, the yeah, I, I was saying on paper the show looked good, but the this, this show was just a blowout. I mean, Belmo did exactly what he did, and, like, nobody could keep up with him. Again, nobody can create what he has, even Anthony. I mean, even Anthony is not – Anthony doesn't even have that that slow rainbowish trick that – to the ex- to the expert level that B- Belmo does, and uh, that takes a lot for me to even say that about Simo. But yeah, it was uh, it was incredible to watch the best bowler in the world just completely dominate such a star-studded field. But you know, it didn't surprise me. Uh, you know, you can't let Belmo get his feet wet, man. You just can't do it. You remember Tiger at the at the uh, at Pebble Beach in two thousand? I think it was when it was windy, rainy, and like. Ernie Els took second at like plus five and Tiger was minus 12 or something like that. In I sure do. Like it was, it was something, it was along those lines where like, it wasn't like the competition wasn't there. It was one guy was just that much better that day on that condition. Yeah. You just, it's very, very rare. What makes somebody great in a lot of sports is they're great at something. Like for instance, Mike Piazza, I'm just going to use him as a prime example. Mike Piazza was not a very good catcher. He did not have a very strong arm. He was not very accurate. He didn't run very fast. It wasn't he, known for throwing anybody out. Right. But what he did do was he hit the ball three and a half out of every ten times he walked to the plate. And he hit for power in both directions, and he could hit home runs. He was great at one thing, and look at the career that he had. He wasn't great at everything, right? Like – that's what separates the greats in, in sports to me. And then the, Shaq, the real Shaq true is, greats. Shaq is a big center. Shaq can't make a free throw. Shaq right. can't throw a three-pointer. Shaq can dunk. And Shaq is a big guy down low, which is right. what he had to do. That's but just, Michael Jordan and LeBron James can dunk. They, they can shoot everything. threes. They can Kobe. They can do they can do fallback. It doesn't they can shoot from the free throw line. They can shoot from the corner. They can whatever they can they can whatever they do, they can do, right? That's why they are who they are. Tom Brady. It, 
if you really wanted to knock Tom Brady, okay, he's not as athletic as Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't know how to get out of the pocket. Doesn't fucking matter, right? Because he's great at everything. Seven rings say say it's he's still exactly. <laughs> Belmo is great at everything. He's not good at playing the first hour with urethane. He's great at it. He's not good at lofting the left gutter. He's great at it. He's not good at jamming the ball up the third hour with no bank whatsoever. He's great at it. You can't beat somebody that's great at everything, and it's so rare to find somebody that's great at everything. And that's what we have in, like, the flesh right now. And, I mean, he was great. I mean, everybody else couldn't break 200. He was the only one. Well, he made could... it look easy. He made it look easy, too. Yeah. I mean, we had uh, Simon with 176. We had Hanrahan with 186. We had Tommy Jones with 177, and EJ had, uh, you know, 192. Meanwhile, yeah, EJ he... had the highest, the highest game on yeah. the show. And Belmo goes 244, 242, 211, 247. I mean, just, yeah. You know what wow. I noticed about that? That And when they show that strike tracker, the guy, the guys who bowled the 177s and whatnot, they weren't off that much. No. Even nope. on, that, on that target line, something about just how it hit. I remember Hanrahan in particular, because he reminds me of the guy from Slapshot. Remember when uh, <laughs> Paul Newman, Hanrahan, your wife's a lesbian. She's a lesbian. <laughs> By the way, who is also the mom on Christmas Story. So everybody go rent Slapshot, and you'll see the mom on Christmas Story's boobs. Anyway, that's when you get on straight up five. So when um when um hard hitting he he was uh yeah so were her nips, and um but he wasn't off by a board, and yet it was seemed like the ball labored at the end because again I guess wrong equipment at that time, but he threw the right shot. So that really isn't an indication of his athletic ability, but just for some reason Belmo knows what equipment to use, can execute doesn't miss so it's a, it's a stacked deck for real but that's something i noticed that the, it's it, the, the talent was still there whether it's wrong equipment or not they weren't far off from their targets and they couldn't get it done because of the pattern or what who knows yeah he's just he's a different animal he he understands angles and entry angles so much i mean that's really the deciding factor is the way the ball was going through the pins yeah. or, or through the break point his ball just looks different than everybody else's. Even when the other guys throw it good, I don't think it's going to strike. I mean, I, I'm talking about the Scorpion show specifically. Sure, now. sure, sure. But, yeah. Well, let me yeah. ask you this. I mean, so there, and that could be something that's even a mental thing. You know, that, that line doesn't tell the whole story if, if they are – 15 revs off of where they thought they were going to be because mentally they're trying to be so accurate that they're not hitting it. So even then you don't know the whole story, I guess, which could be why the ball didn't strike or why they left a bucket or why, uh, or, or it was a mile an hour faster because they got too jumpy, you know, and, but yet they still followed their track line. Just uh, interesting shit like that, that unless you're a physics major, it's going to be hard to figure out. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, maybe one frame, even though they hit what they were looking at, their palms were a little bit sweatier. Maybe they had to squeeze it an extra smidge. Something and they, like tilt, that. they tilted it an extra degree at the bottom, which made it scoot through the front an extra half inch, which leads to a 2810 instead of a swisher. I mean, there's it's the, it's the tiny things like that, that, Bel, that Belmo, like they don't exist for him. You know, he does. It's amazing. Imagine, <laughs> not, imagine not having to worry about, like when I get up and I shoot a seven pin, Usually the first one I miss to the right. And usually the first thing I say on the approach is make sure if you're going to miss this, miss it to the left. Imagine never having to think about that. That's I, never never, in the, that's I never would the never picture. miss a seven bit. I would never miss one because I would just get up there and do the, uh, like he does with everything. 
That's that's mindset, man. And that's robotic. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. it's, it's so robotic and and also immune to even the the little nuances of pressure because and there's, there's got to be something to knowing that you are the best at it. I'm not saying it came easy, but yeah. mm-hmm. Tiger used to beat people before he'd get on the tee because they were like, "Shit, how am I gonna beat this guy?" Mm-hmm. And I feel like Belmo does have that edge for sure. Belmo's, you know, they the mindset is everything in every walk of life, right? Whatever you believe, you can achieve or can be conceived for that matter. And I'm a law of attraction guy. And when I look at Belmo, when I look at his poise on a TV show and how much he stays inside of himself, like I'm here to do a job. I know exactly what job I have to do, whether I'm here for an hour or I'm here for two hours or I'm here for 30 minutes. He already has every situation handled in his brain. He has it planned out exactly the way he wants it. And when you're powerful up there, man, you don't need you don't need talent that you, you could teach your body what to do just by your brain. Unfairly, he does have the talent too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and he's also the best. That's and a it, very that's a deadly combination. You that's, know, it's, that's and how it's you make like the what, greatest it's, ever. Yeah, it's like what came first is is it the ability to do it, which then creates the confidence, and then then the the confidence just exudes the ability to do it. I, I totally. I mean, throwing that weightlifting real quick. I remember the first when I first started going to the gym. I was so excited that I lost all the weight. I went from 230 to 170. I walk in the gym. I was a scared little kitten. I'm like, ooh, I don't want to get too close to this guy's bench. I don't want to. Am I my what's proper gym etiquette? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Let me move this 55. Let me get a. Did time. you really change your voice to that much because you lost? No, but that's that's what I felt like. And then when I and then you know when I I gained 20 pounds back and I started seeing my first gains. Then I walked in like, well, shit. Okay, I'm, I'm taking least, this bench. <laughs> I'm, I'm moderately comfortable here to at least say, excuse me, bro, how many sets do you have left? You know, and now when I walk in, what happens is other people do that to me because the only thing that I think about when I walk in the gym is I put my head, my hat down, I turn on my music and I know where I'm going and I know how long I'm going to be at each section. And I just want to get in there, fucking kill it and get the fuck out of there. I don't care who's looking at me. I know what gym etiquette is. I never disrupt anybody else's shit. That's my home now. Just that mindset, and that's what you that goes back to what Ocho said about the the ability to do it and then the ability the, the confidence that comes with it rekindles that ability. And that's what's happening with Belmo on the lanes. So Belmo is still on fire, obviously making the TV pair, uh, the, the step ladder for the shark tournament, uh, which is going on right now as we're recording. So we don't know. Uh, the outcome of it. So early thoughts, Johnny, of what you've seen, you know, the little bit of what you've seen so far. If you go back to my last show, dude, I, you, you asked me if I, you asked me if I thought Belmo was going to slow down and I said, Belmo wins everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. So let me just put this into perspective since we're being logical now at the world championship, Jason Belmonte bold two fifty five. Jason Sterner switched to a quantum Evo Pearl in the middle of that game and struck out. And the reason he changed that Evo Pearl was because he left the four seven nine ten and had one of the most unbelievably lucky split conversions I have personally ever seen. Wild, he, wild conversion. Wild, wild conversion. It loosened him up so much that he trusted the ball change and he struck out and Belmo doesn't. Belmo lost that match in the world championship shooting 255. Okay. And Belmo made a split also, too. Belmo made uh, the, the baby split with, I think, a six, uh, 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 an eight pin, I think, is what it was. Or, or a four pin, maybe. 
One, yeah, the, two, the, the, three. the three, four, ten. I, yeah, I the, think it was the six. Wouldn't. He wouldn't make the four pin, would he? Yeah. Either the, the, way, whatever. The ball would go three, between the three and the ten, and the three would go over into the four. So, oh, well, either way, it was badass. And yeah. it was right <laughs> after Sterner made the one where he kicked it out of the back, almost like a seven ten. Yes. So that was pretty wild. But then, and then they both lined right back up. Yeah. So, that, but that's what I mean. So we have no idea what happens on that show if Belmo gets past Sterner. Sure. So, but he does lose with a 255. But, and, and Belmo, I think, needed to strike out and he wound up going nine spare strike in the 10th. Or am I screwing that up? Because it, not, not that he needed to strike out. He would You are forced, correct. He would have yes. forced Sterner to hit the first two, I think, maybe. Something, something like, like that. that. It was something like that. So it, either but, way, when Sterner got up in the tenth frame, he needed to double. So he, so if Bel- and I don't think that Belmo struck out. I think Belmo right. had a higher number in the wood up until then. So you are That's right. That's what it was. That's right, right, right. That's what it was. But uh, then obviously Cheetah, kudos to Kyle Sherman. But then Belmo comes out and destroys the Scorpion Show. Now the Scorpion Show. Is was Scorpion was actually playing harder than Shark at the World Series because, believe it or not, the length on that lane surface on Shark, there's so much hold in the middle of the lane that the guys can actually grab it and miss in, and the ball still has a chance to strike. If they did that on Scorpion, it would have gone sideways. Like so, the typical yank you talk on a house shot, where where the where the we have that yank area because there's so much oil in the middle. The pros have a little bit of yank area, even though they're playing inside, but they can have some more hold because the volume is so much in the middle. I mean, that, that's kind of what you're going at. Ab- absolutely, and the length is 48 feet long. It's it's oiled well past oh, the shit. traditional break point. How so, long is a bowling lane? 60 feet, six inches. Same <laughs> as a, same as a pitcher's mound too. Oh, home shit. plate. Oh, yeah. I never- I should have known, I guess. <laughs> you should have known that. Come on, Oates. But um, and now Belmo's on Shark. So now Belmo gets to bowl on a pattern in virtually the same exact zone as Scorpion, but with like five more boards of misroom. So I don't know what's going to happen in the first match between him and Simo, but I'm telling you right now, here's my prediction for the Shark, and I have not watched it because I'm recording it while we're doing this. If Belmo gets by Anthony Simonson in the first match of Shark, there's nobody else on the show on the right side that can create the motion that is going to be needed to win on that pattern. I know A.J. Chapman can curve the bowling ball, not doubting his talent, but he can't curve it more than Belmo down lane. He can't make it shape more. Jason Sterner has a very strange trick role. But Sterner is not very good at getting a ball to go left through the pins. He has a, a voodoo roll, so to speak, and it almost rolls like it's it's almost a rollout type roll. So, so he would he would leave more light mixers or maybe ten pins almost. Is that kind of how the because the ball would deflect? I think you're going at right. Oh, I could see somebody with Sterner's ball roll leaving like a five seven. On oh, pattern. so it really hits with like a marshmallow almost. Right, not their yeah. fault. Just just so much the volume of oil, like you said. Totally, totally. So. The only person that I think, if he gets by Simo, that he even has to think about is Kevin Williams because Kevin's lefty and a two-handed lefty that actually knows how to loop it. Like, he loops it like Buttruff does with two hands. He doesn't throw it like Jesper. Jesper's more like up the lane like Simo, whereas Belmo is more, like a, is, is more around it. That's kind of the way Kevin Williams is compared to like a Jesper Svensson. But... Again, Kevin's going for his first PBA title, and he's the tournament leader. 
So right there, just the nerves, and you got to bowl against Jason Belmonte for your first title. He's going you for his get 29th. You only one shot at it, and you only get one shot, 12 freaking strikes out of how many and, two games you just bowled. Yeah, and he ran the ladder on last night's show, came out today, won his round of 16 match, won his round of 8 match. That means Belmo hasn't lost a game <laughs> in like three days. He hasn't lost in three days. And it was and it was a, a nail biter in the tenth frame that, that he lost by basically. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so anyway, he's, I, he's, like, like, he's like twenty and a half in the last like twenty and a half games. Yeah. Yeah, it's, he's ridiculous. It's remarkable. But yeah, so I just I said he's gonna win everything. He he won one of them and he's been on at least three of the four shows. He's made three of the four shows of the World Series. Yeah. And we'll see whatever Shark holds, but yeah, man. You We're watching it. greatness. After that, we uh, coming up, we have the PBA Storm Cup, uh, the Lubbock Sports Open PTQ, uh, coming up this Friday in uh, Lubbock, Texas. Johnny, uh, the oil pattern is something I'm not familiar with, and they have actually a graphic here, which, you know, for the audio listeners, you're not going to be able to see, uh, but it's the Billy Hardwick pattern, and they, they break it down 10, 20, 25 feet. Obviously, that's, that's the footage of the lanes. So... Uh, can you just break down this pattern real quick from what you see? Uh, it's pretty equal gutter to gutter. The total measuring length is 44 feet. Looks like the ratio is 2.3 to 1. The higher the difference in the numbers and the ratio, the easier the lane condition. So, for instance, a standard league pattern, the heavier concentration of oil being in the middle, you would call a standard league pattern like a 9 or a 10 to 1 ratio. That means comparative from the center of the lane to the edge of the lane, the middle is clifted like a 10 percent cliff and the the one is where it tapers off right yeah that's that much of a difference on a house shot see i would have never known that either and that explains it a lot as to why the house shot gives is so forgiving right so this is saying you know with that 44 feet and a 2.3 to 1 ratio this is a moderate to high scoring pace you know it'll take uh if there's 100 guys bowling and they're taking the top 32 through the first cut after 18 games, 18th place in this tournament is going to average 221.35. And the tournament leader is going to average somewhere around 240. It looks like the outsides are wide open. It's just it's, The oil is pretty much dumped in the middle, uh, and it's a short oil pattern. So, yeah, it looks like a um, This so is where, actually, where this is actually a long. This is a is medium to long, long length. What, yeah, they, this is 44. On, maybe on the inside, right, and like almost trying to get it to that – Maybe that first, the the whatever that space. Well, remember is. earlier we said our rule of 31. So if you subtract mm. 31 from 44, you've got 13. So ideally, you want the ball to be changing direction and looking at the pins around the 13 board, which would be just inside that second range finder. Which That's means I was look- trying to look for the range finder. I couldn't think of the name of it. Damn it. <laughs> yep. So just look for the players to probably start out between the second and third arrow, kind of hugging where that really dark oil meets the lighter section of the oil, kind of keeping it online around the second and third arrow to that range finder. And then what they'll do is they'll keep their eyes on that range finder, and then they'll just start migrating further left to catch more of the heavier, darker concentration and feed it to that same spot. There you go. That's why I love this show, because, you know, you you break down things uh, that I never understood either, and, and obviously Ocho didn't either, but the house shot, so... Yeah, it's kind of why I want to get your opinion on that to, to what all that means. Uh, and we uh, we might even do that moving forward with each tournament just to have you break down the oil pattern so people understand what's going on when they watch it on TV and what happens during the week when the conditions change and oil moves and all that. So uh, good stuff, dude. Totally good stuff. 
Oh, Joe. Pleasure. Are you ready for uh, to let everybody know what your Twitter handle is? I, this is your big moment. Um, you've had you know six to eight months here to remember what it is. What's your What's your Twitter handle, buddy? Where Where can they find you? I don't know. God damn it! Every single Every single week, Johnny. I don't know why we keep putting up with this stuff. Seriously, uh, you can find. Would you like me to? Help yeah, go out for this it. Time? Yeah, go for it. You can find Doctor Ocho at the Dr Ocho. That's Twitter at the Dr Ocho. <laughs> Johnny, what's your okay. handle? <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at jpjr07. I bet you like what you, you like zero seven. Clear it out, Johnny. I bet you even know my handle too. At the Rad Rob, something. Uh, you almost you know, you're almost three for three. <laughs> you mine, you're yours. <laughs> Uh, it's at Rad Rob Gaming uh, on. I knew it. I knew it was gaming. I was at Rad Rob Gaming. <laughs> I was gonna say at the G-A- Rad Rob Gaming. Yes, but he spells oh, it G A Y M I N G. That's why. Ah, uh, that's uh, good. I see what you did there. Uh, you can also follow the show on Twitter at Straight Up Five Pod. That's at Straight Up the Number Five P O D. You can email us at Straight Up Five uh, at Gmail dot com. That's F-I-V. I know, it's all fucked up. It's hard. Yeah, people, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, you'd think I would get it uniform, right? But, yeah, it is what it is. Another great show, guys. Appreciate uh, all your insight, Johnny, as always. Very fun sitting under uh, the learning tree uh, and listening and watching you break down bowling. And, uh, oh, Joe, you're, you're, you're pretty good, too. I, I don't care what anybody you says. You bet. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week for another edition of Straight Up 5 with Johnny Petraglia, Jr., Take care, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Straight Up 5. If you would like to send your questions into Johnny Jr., send us an email at straightup5 at gmail.com. That's straightupfive at gmail.com. We'll see you next time for another edition of Straight Up 5 right here on the Rad Rob Radio Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.